Testing, one, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three on this one. One, two, three. You ready? Are you starting? Okay. Good evening, everybody. So glad you're here tonight. Uh, we are going to let John Boyle do the teaching tonight. He is, yes, doing an awesome job. Just uh, part of the staff here, him and Jen, and uh, just glad to, he's been through this course and is going back through it again, and so uh, I know he believes in divine healing, right? Anybody else in the room? Do, you know? Amen. So he's going to teach us some more about it tonight. John, God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. Welcome, everybody. Teaching on one of my favorite subjects tonight. How many hills here has experienced healing? Amen. Amen. Um, so last week we left off on page five. And right, I know I went through and numbered all mine. Yes. Yep. And then uh, Mark 16 is the first verse in the paragraph under that. Got it? So halfway down, it goes into James 5.14. And it talks about by what commission is it to be uh, perpetuated to the end of time and placed within the reach of all of God's suffering saints? We turn with deep interest to James 5.14 which says, If any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall rise him, raise him up, and if he have any committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. It's a good verse to memorize. And just uh, Sunday before last, we did this after service down front. And it's something that uh, I think a lot of churches need to do more of. I know when I went through this course, Pastor told me, uh, all of us, that how important it is, and I think he mentioned this last week maybe too, or the last class, but how important it is to put an altar call in at the end. And most of the time, from my own experience of getting to preach on Sundays, at first, it wasn't that way. I know the first time I, I pastor let me preach, I, I didn't know what to do. I got to the end of my notes and was just like, Pastor Colin. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, Colin did the same thing. So, <laughs> so um, but the more that I've gotten opportunities to preach, the more the Holy Spirit, especially if you're already in the flow, he kind of just leads you into that already anyways. And sometimes he starts bringing us that, kind of shines a light on them. like you know that they need prayer and so then you try to get them to come up and sadly a lot of times they won't come up but sometimes they do and it's great when they do and healing of and laying on hands and healing of sick something that is is we and more churches that authority and do that so in the next paragraph it says let us notice Hmm, go ahead. 
just talking about everything that he said had to do with what was in the heart, not what not what was in your head, not what was coming out your mouth, not, not what you were washing your hands with, every, what you were putting into your mouth. He said, everything comes from the heart. So if you're saying a prayer of, uh, uh, of healing over somebody, but you don't believe it and you don't have the faith in your own heart, kind of puts a damper on things. So I think that's what he's talking about whenever it says the prayer of faith. sure as God wants to save you, he wants to heal you. It's guaranteed. I mean, there's this room's full of testimonies, and as I mentioned last week, even people brought back their lives. So he said, uh, anoint them with oil, which is just a sign of the Holy Spirit. You know, the oil is symbolical of the the Holy Spirit. You can anoint them like salve or what they used back in in the Old Testament. So it was just a, not that there's any healing power in that oil. Correct. You know, it's just sign that you know you're believing in faith for healing for that we keep oil up there at the front of the of the church and you know we don't always you know because again it's not it's not like something that you're you're dogmatic about it that oh if i don't oh if i don't put the oil on i'm not gonna get healed but uh, it's just something that james was was writing here he said you know if you're sick call for the elders church and they'll anoint with you, you with oil and pray over you in the prayer of faith to save the sick and the Lord will raise you up and if you have any sins you know in your life too he can he can do it all in one 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 done. touch Does that help one and done no you're fine questions are good It's amazing when you, the more that you dig, the, the Bible is plenty. And yeah, the Bible has layers upon layers. It will never stop revealing more to you. But there's other things also that reveal like that. Like, or if you get into Hebrew, the way that they live their lives and the representation of that, like the wedding, the bride, the bridegroom, you know, it just adds so many more elements to it. Yes. I was going to say that whenever it comes to the anointing of oil, it's a physical representation of spiritual things, just like baptism is a physical representation of you being washed clean and reborn out of water uh, described by Jesus in to Nicodemus in was that John chapter okay yeah John chapter three uh, it was a it is a physical representation 
a physical, like you, you could almost say manifestation of, of spiritual things because we cannot see the spiritual things then we, we have physical represent, representatives of those. Tangible, yes. Yeah. Uh, so like we just talked about, James was the one that, that, that first brought this about. Um, he is, he, it is who rightly transmits the, uh, the gifts to the ordinary and permanent officers who are to succeed them in the oversight of the flock of Christ. Meaning the officers of the church. I mean, this is an ongoing thing. This isn't just for the time of James. That every church, the officers of the church, the elders, the deacons, perform this task. And it says again, observe to whom the power is committed, not the apostles who are now passing away, not men and women of rare gifts and difficult of access, but the elders, the ordinary officers of every single church, the men who are within reach of every sufferer, the men who are to continue till the end of the age. So again, notice the time at which the commission is given. Not at the beginning, but at the close of the apostolic age. But for the one that was just rising, sorry, not for that generation, but for the one that was just rising in all the succeeding ages to come. And then he tells of, uh, oh, that's on the next page. So, and then on the top of page six, it says, again, observe the nature of the ordinance enjoyed, the prayer of faith and the anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, this was manifestly not a medical anointing, for it was not to be applied by a physician, but by an elder. Pastor touched on this just briefly a second ago. We're not looking to the physician to heal us. We're not calling the doctor first. We're calling upon Jesus first receive his healing and we're going to get more into that and just a quick note I know me and Pastor have had a conversation about it and I know Terry has had a lot of conversations about it but Brother Terry in particular he doesn't believe in doctors and that's that's him some people would rather go and get an, a second opinion from a doctor or each person their own faith directs how they or how they live out according to physician. Right. Yeah. you do a study on pharmacia and and we uh, just we actually yeah. just left our doctor because yes he did yes well yes um yeah and in reference to that i'm going to go ahead and say it 
in Greek, the word sorcery is pharmakia, which is where we get our term pharmacy, pharmaceutical, and uh, yes, yeah. Well, but I'm, I'm just saying, you know, it, it, some people read that and, and that's where some people get the idea that all medicine is bad, but not necessarily all medicine is bad. But sometimes when we get like crazy up in arms about it that it's funny because it's like on one side of the fence it's like well if you don't trust God to heal you you're putting him in a box and you're trusting physicians above him but there can be an extreme on the other side of that if you are so extremely against any kind of medical intervention you're putting God in a box saying he's not capable of using doctors to heal you as well Right, exactly. Like my dad's heart surgery last week, I hadn't really like said much, but the the doctor said he'd been a, a cardiothoracic surgeon for 40 years. Usually, the the branch section on the back side of his heart, which is what triggers what they call the widowmaker heart attack, when he goes in and he sees that it is blocked to a certain degree, he will back out, close you up, allow you to say goodbye to your family, allow you to tie up loose ends and go on but he said that he and his team prayed before they operated on my father and when he went in my dad was over 80 percent blocked in there and he said I just felt like I needed to try because usually if they try to place a stint it's so messed up it'll blow it and they die on the table instead of giving them an opportunity to say goodbye but he felt pushed to do it put the stint in my dad's heart in that section of his heart and my dad made it through and you know what I mean? So it's like if my dad was so vehemently against medical attention, like what an amazing testament of faith that that doctor prayed before operating yeah. on my dad and then did something he's never really willing to do, and now my dad's alive. You know, so it's like, you know, I, I can see both sides of it, but I think it gets dangerous when you try to run too far either direction. to be the standard operating procedure for all believers is you go to the church first. I'm having this problem. I'm going to the church. I'm going to have them pray over me. If God heals it there, okay. If not, then I'll go to the doctor and have them look at it. Plan B. Or pray God, while you're putting right? a tourniquet on. Like, Lord yes. God, yes. Right now. You know, I'm not yeah. just going to stand there and watch it gush out of their body while I pray. I'm going to apply pressure. I'm going to call 911 while I pray. Why I speak to the Lord. You know? I, I actually heard a story where two people came upon a wreck on the side of the road 
and uh, there was somebody injured in this wreck, and these two people, one of them was a, an evangelist, and, and his, I guess, uh, like a close friend or something like that, and while they were assisting this person who was injured on the side of the road, the evangelist was speaking in tongues, but before he spoke in tongues, he told his friend, call 911. <laughs> he started speaking in tongues, and the person on 911 was like, what are they saying in the background? It's distracting me, please. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, I think if I remember the story correctly, the person who was answering the, the dispatcher was from another country, and the tongues he was speaking was in her native, her his or her native language, and wow. she got saved as a result wow. of that. Wow. Along with that person's life, who was injured, they did they didn't die, and they got Amen. taken to the hospital. Amen. So yeah. testimony to me that God does number our days right because you know I mean <laughs> he had his hand on me because that the physician was 20, 20 years a vascular surgeon and it took him in his boots when he came out to talk to my family and uh, here I am so um, there's that and you look at uh, what that physician might be doing when he's in there and realizing oh I got myself a real slippery mess you got really, really tiny arteries, and he said, "Well, the old girl, you know, you got really tiny arteries." So I'm guessing he might have prayed. You know, <laughs> it'll it could draw a person that way. Amen. Um, next we go to to three third John two. It says, "Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as they as your soul prospers." Later in here, there's another good a good sentence. I'm not going to try to read it before we get to it, but it, it talks along the same lines. What does God want for you? Not only, most assuredly, that your soul be saved, but also that your soul prosper as you yourself, your health prospers. Ephesians 5.30 says, We are members of his body. The, his flesh and his bones, these words recognize a union between our body and the risen body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just like communion on Sunday. What are the words of the communion? The bread, the price he paid for us, his body, his resurrected body, his health, his healing. That is, is, is part of, of us too. So, which gives us the right to claim for our mortal frame all the vital, vital energy of his perfect life. His body is ours, his life is ours, and it is all sufficient. His, he is sufficient in all things. Romans eight eleven. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwelleth in you. This cannot refer to a future resurrection, 
This will be by the voice of the Son of God, not the Holy Spirit. This is a present dwelling and quickening by the Spirit. And it is a quickening of the mortal body, not the soul. We can this be but physical restoration, which is the direct work of the Holy Ghost, and which only they can receive who know the indwelling of the divine spirit. Later in here, we get into a little bit deeper conversation about this. Um, hopefully, we'll make it there tonight. But like, like the paragraph before, it's not, he's not just caring about your, your spiritual. He's caring about right now your daily physical walk. Amen. Always. Exactly. He designed us perfectly. Yes, he put us together God. perfectly yes. in his image, his perfect image. It was that we were born into a sick and dying world that caused our bodies to start failing. Yes. And the sin that surrounds us to start failing. So to be under any assumption that it's his will for you to be broken and sick mm. and downhearted. It's like, no, he made you perfect, mm. but you're in a sick and dying mm. world. So why on earth? I'd be look, looking at a masterpiece that I've painted and then slicing it down the middle mm. and being like, I'm okay with that. Right. No, I'm not okay with right. that. That was my masterpiece. Yeah. I want it to be healed. Right. You know? He talks about that exact point uh, here in a little bit that, uh, We were made in the perfect image of God. Um, on to, let me make sure. Where did something else right here? Uh, okay, at the bottom, 2 Corinthians, it says, Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifested in our mortal flesh. For we which live are always deli delivered unto death for Jesus' sake that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal bodies. This is Paul's physical experience, and I love the story of Paul. Uh, constant peril, infirmity, and physical sufferings, probably by persecution and even violence, in order that the healing, restoration, and sustaining power of life of Jesus might be more constantly manifest in his very body by the encouragement of suffering saints. chew on that just a little bit. He was stoned. He was whipped. He talks about it, I think, is it in Romans or in Hebrews? Or it's not in Hebrews. Is it in Corinthians? Okay. He, go, he runs through, he runs through a list of everything that he's endured. And he says, I've been stoned twice, which usually was a death sentence yes it was an ex it was a form of execution exactly i mean they used it since uh since uh mosaic times moses time yep yep so it, you know that would usually kill you what stoning that's part of history yeah that's part of Ju uh, judaic history um but he went through two stonings. He survived, what, three shipwrecks or something like that? Two shipwrecks? I thought it was two. And then Maybe it was three stonings and two shipwrecks. I might be getting those backwards. He was, I don't, he was, yeah, he he's was trying to whipped. find it right now. Yes. He was flogged, yeah. He was uh, uh, bitten. Bitten, bitten 
by the snake, the venomous snake, and survived. Yep. Uh, imprisoned, which, you know, the prisons then were nothing like the writs that they are today. Um, and so he, he went through an entire list of all of these things that he endured, and he's like, God got me through all of these. It wasn't by my power. I don't have any power to survive all of this stuff. God got me through all of these things. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. He, he's trying to find the actual verse. Chapter six. He goes. He goes into more. Yes. Well. <laughs> but that's the way. But that's the way he starts it, though. He starts it as not the boast of myself. But if you want to get nitpicky, let's go. But Paul's a perfect example. I love the way that the end of that says that Jesus might be manifest more constantly through him for the encouragement of suffering saints. Because. There you go. Thank you, Andrew. You said 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 28 is where those where that list is. Yes. Good point, Lisa. And that's one thing that a lot of people uh, people will talk about that Christ overcame the world, and a lot of times they think just think that Christ overcame the death part, but He overcame everything, whether spiritual or physical, anything that can be brought against you, He has overcome. Oh. <laughs> Okay, um, Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. And this is but an echo of that voice that spoke these parting words a generation before. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He did not say, I will be. That would have suggested a break. But I am an unchanging now and forever presence, never withdrawn, a love, a nearness, a power to heal and save as constant and as free as ever, even unto the end of the world. The same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I quote that scripture all the time. People are being like, well, you know, that was then. I was like, God, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is eternal. He is unchanging. Yes. And Oh, yeah, yes. I love that line. Yes. Nor for that generation, but for the one that was just rising and all the succeeding ages. At no yes. point does it give you an end, a, a stopping point. Right. It doesn't say the, when he ascended into heaven and is over. It, it, the only stopping point that is given is in Revelation whenever Christ comes back. Right. That's the only stopping the point. <laughs> Last time I checked, no that hasn't happened. Yeah. Amen. No more tears, no more pain, no more anything. So, 
what else can we do before we start chapter 2 here? What else can we do but believe, rejoice, receive, and proclaim the grace, salvation to a sick and sinking world? Say they, the, uh, I believe it's was it Peter who said pray without ceasing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. said pray without ceasing, and I for the longest time I, th- I thought you know oh well you have to be on your knees you have to be holding your hands no. a certain way you have to be doing this you have to say it out loud and you have to do that all of these rituals that I had that I had been foolishly deceived into thinking by the devil foolishly deceived into thinking that this is how I communicate with God. And it was only after I had implement, tried to implement the practice of praying without ceasing that I began to understand that we are able to walk into the throne room of God spiritually. I don't need a ritual. The ritual has already been done in Christ's sacrifice. So all I have to do is and pray in the name of Jesus. That's it. Come boldly into the throne room. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to do anything special. It's already been done. All I have to do is pray. It doesn't have to be a specific way. It doesn't have to be specific words. I pray on the regular, and I'm not bragging on myself, just like Paul wasn't bragging on himself. I pray regularly at work about everything, about anything that comes across my mind, I will pray over it. If I'm worried about finances, I'll pray over my finances. If I'm worried about uh, my own health, I'll pray over my own health. If I'm worried about whether my company that I work for is going to have a job for me after this project is done, I'll pray over that. And thank God he has provided every single time I have asked for that stuff, regardless of what words I've used. and i think that um you know because like it says the question was you know what what more than you know believing rejoicing receiving proclaiming and whatnot so our job as ministers is to um display it because i mean it's our job to basically teach these things like we can all sit and read the bible the same as any parishioner that's sitting in any seat wherever whatever but it's our job to give um Example is our job to shed light on and to break it down and make it more obvious, you know. So when we, as those, you know, in in ministry, like Paul said, you know, survive through it, thrive through it, but but by the grace of God for their sakes, it's our job to highlight that so that they can see it, so they can say, well, if he did that for you, then he can do that for me. So that it's no longer a fairy tale. It's no longer, well, if the Lord would just answer my prayer. No, you're seeing, you're watching somebody that is walking, talking proof of that answered prayer. Like, that's that's our job, is to highlight that. It talks about that later. Don't, good point, though. But, 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 don't, don't, that's why testimonies and scars are so important. That's exactly what testimonies and scars are for. When you go through hardship and God pulls you out of it, that's something that somebody else can say, 
they were going through the same thing, and their God pulled them out of that, what can you do for me? When I went through COVID, you know, and you still, every one of my customers, God got the glory. Mm, amen. Not, I said, I walked, I told them, you know, some of them were not even believers. I said, I walked around the house literally all day long, praising God, thanking him, singing songs. Thank you, God. I am healed by the stripes. Of so he got all the glory. One quick thing before we go into chapter two. Uh-huh. Can everybody catch that in that last paragraph, the first sentence, from Exodus to Patmos? What is he saying there? Is everybody understanding what? From Exodus to Patmos. Remember, John in the book of Revelation was on the island of Patmos. Island of Patmos. I want to make sure you ca- uh, caught that little kink there that he put in there. In Exodus, would you say Exodus is referring to not only out of Egypt, but also the the. Um, well, he's talking about uh, the first scripture on healing is Exodus. What is it? Twenty six fifteen. So that's what he's saying. From Exodus we covered from in the start of this chapter. Yeah. yeah. That was first chapter. Twenty six fifteen. Uh, it was. Uh, I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee, Jehovah Rapha. Yep. Yeah. That's the first time we got Rapha. Amen. Amen. Um, so, chapter 2. says, How can one who fully believes in the doctrine receive the blessings and appropriate the healing? And the very next sentence says, Be fully persuaded of the word of God in this matter. And I want to sub another word for persuaded. Be fully persuaded convinced of the word of God. If any of you have been here whenever I've preached, you know I say that the word of God is an infallible whole word of God. We don't take it for granted. We don't change it. We don't make it fit our current situation or the way we want to live. It's infallible. Believe it 100%. When he says, I'm going to heal you, you take it to the grave. He's going to heal you. There's no substitutes. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is the only sure foundation of rational and scriptural faith. Your faith must rest on the great principles and promises of the Bible, or it never can stand the testing of op- oppositions and trials which come, which are sure to come and do come. I wrote a little blog. I think the last one I did was on roots. What kind of ground are you on? How deep are your roots, and what are your roots lying upon? Thank you. Uh, gospel and the redemption of Christ that all the teachings and reasonings of the best of men could not shake you. And I don't know about anybody else that has experienced that personally. But I know in my own life, I've had people try to talk me out of or say that it wasn't because of Christ, that it was because of some other thing that I received a healing. And it's no, sir. I know firmly it was Christ that healed me. Nobody else could. And Pastor, which book was it? Was it the doctrine? Or was it presentation of sermon? I feel like it was presentation of sermon. Who who told the class to, uh, let's see if I remember right what he said, Pastor. Um, (laughs) Um,. Well, we were talking kind of along the same subject about 
about your faith and your um, assuredness in sermons and preparation of sermons and that people, especially more seasoned people, might come and make you question. Hmm. Remember? Remember? We came in at the end of that book? Yeah. Well, what he said was really good. I wish I could remember more of it. But um, anyway, since I can't remember, we'll move on. But um, in the next part, he mentions uh, a story. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of a, a sad story, but it has a great ending. But this lady had a problem, and she was full of faith, and she knew that her Lord was going was gonna to take her. But she went and told her pastor, and her pastor actually talked her out of her healing. And she went into a state of depression, a state of questioning if God was even real, if her faith was real, if her salvation was real. But in the end, she found her faith and her confidence in God and went back to her pastor and was showed the, her healing. So it turned out to be a great story. But <clears throat> I wrote on here because after one of my healings, and I've had several healings, um, but after one of them, it was actually at our... Uh, one of our meetings, church meetings. And uh, I, I made the comment in that meeting to be careful who you tell your healing to. Because you can tell it to one of those naysayers or doubters and they start pouring it on so thick that even though you come in amped up knowing that you've been healed, they start pouring it on so thick that you leave questioning, am I really even healed? Yep, so just be wary. First of all, you understand where your healing comes from and without question that you are healed because he says it. So that gives you ammunition and strength to go into a situation like that with somebody that's going to try to take your healing away. Um, so next it says to be fully assured of the will of God to heal you. And this was the other point that Lisa made earlier. Um, course it's God's will there's so many times I hear people say if it be your will Lord please heal me of course it's his will that you be healed yes don't question his will for you of course his will is for you to prosper and to be made whole I catch my mom doing it all the time Well, it, it, it's yeah, no, no, it it really isn't. And if is implying if, if, really if is implying that there's a that there's a question, mm -hmm. and that's why I said that uh, you know I've I've caught myself doing that and turning around and and correcting myself, um, because well, it, I can't tell God what to do, but at the same time. He told me what he wants to do. And so I have to 
remind, not not necessarily remind, but he enjoy. What Pastor Wood has to say, he delights in in having his word spoken to him in prayer. To profess the word, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, yeah, but uh, you know, saying. Lord, you have told us that you want our you want not only our spirits to be healed, but our physical bodies to be healed as well. And we are we are uh, I'll say you know, claim because then people will be like, name it and claim it. Um, but we ask for that. I mean, obviously, there's no particular words that are the right words, but basically. We, we hold on we hold to we hold true to that to that promise that we hold to that promise Someone that's 85 years old. Yeah, it's like, you know, Lord, you know, kind of like what you said, according to your will, God, I know you're able to heal them and going to give them five, ten more years, 20, whatever, but according to your will. Because you know, sometimes they're wanting to go home. Yeah. And you don't want to pray contrary, uh, you know, to. Exactly. I get it, you know. I saw a sermon that David Wilkerson did at Times Square Church before he died, and you know, and I'd never considered it this way. It was really eye-opening for me. He was preaching on healing and whether it was physical or, or emotional, but he was talking about the Holy Spirit and how when Jesus ascended into heaven, he left us the Holy Spirit to guide us, to direct us, to um, there was there's a covenant there. There's a covenant between a, a person who has accepted Christ as their Savior and the Holy Spirit dwells within them. There's a, there's a covenant between the Holy Spirit and that host body, that person, that soul. And, and I'd never considered it this way. But, you know, the way that David Wilkerson put it was, it's not that we're demanding that God do something. That's probably not the best way to go about things. He said, but there is a covenant there. And it is not wrong to... We have a covenant. And, you know, and, and he said, he said, put the Holy Spirit to the test. He said, God sent the Holy Spirit to us. Uh, you know, Jesus sent him to us to help us while he is there, you know. And he's like, don't be afraid to say, we have a deal. You know, we have a covenant. You dwell within me, and I do whatever I'm supposed to do for you. So the Bible says that I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be healed. You know, in standing on that authority and not feeling so meek and like, well, I mean, if you've got the time, yeah. you know, could you maybe think, think about, yeah. you know, yeah, but just. Mm -hmm. 
But I never considered it that way. Because he was so, he's like, put the Holy Spirit to the test. I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. You know, like, oh, that makes me nervous. That makes me very antsy in my seat. But, you know, he's like, there's a covenant there. There's a deal there. There's an oath there. Like, it's permanent. And, and we have a right to say, we're taking it. Take my word, say. We're doing this. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, man, there's so much we could talk about. Um, uh, okay, so most persons, the middle of page uh, eight, most persons are ready enough to admit the power of Christ to heal. The devil himself can admit this. True faith implies equal confidence in the willingness of God to answer this prayer of faith and any doubt of this point will surely paralyze our prayer for the def, the definitive definite healing. I, I I know from my own experiences, claiming healing for someone else or for myself, and I'll be. I've already been in in prayer for a while, and it's a good prayer, and then I'll start getting into healing or something for myself, and. That little voice will start creeping in, and it will start to take away or start to make you doubt. I've had it to the point like, are you sure you're worthy to be healed? Are you sure that he wants to heal you from this? Like, well, I've been healed from other things, so why does he want to heal me from this? And maybe this one, mm. yeah, I mean. And you, you have to, you learn with time, you learn with, with constant prayer, with, with getting in the word, with the Holy Spirit, you learn. As soon as that little bit starts to twi trickle in, you rebuke it, you shut it out, and you get right back into the spirit. Um, a mere vague trust in the possible acceptance of our prayer is not strong enough to grapple with the forces of disease and death. You get that? It's not strong enough to grapple with the forces of disease and death. If the Lord Jesus has purchased it for us in his redemption, it must be God's will for us to have it, correct? For Christ's whole redeeming work was simply the executing of the Father's will. The word of God is forevermore the standard of his will. And that word has declared immutably that it is God's greatest desire and unalterable principle of action and will to render to every man according as he will believe and especially to save all who will receive Christ by faith and to heal all who receive it by similar faith. No one thinks of asking for forgiveness if the Lord will. Nor should we throw any, any stronger doubt on his promise of physical redemption. Both are freely offered to every trusting heart that will accept them. I, I think... Imagine I'm, how many people would be at our door if they knew that they could come here not only to receive salvation, but to to be made whole. And that starts, I have been praying about this and praying about this, and God said, you'll have an opportunity. I don't know when, 
But he said, you'll have an opportunity. Praying about a, a, a miraculous and prevalent healing. That it, not, not something that is going to affect a lot of people. Yeah. And they're going to see it. And they're going to recognize it. And I've been praying about this, and the word I keep hearing is that you'll get your chance, basically. You'll get your opportunity. Just don't let it pass you by whenever it comes. And so I'm keeping an eye out for it. I have a feeling he's going to throw it in my face like he has with everything else. So, (laughs) but um, God, the way, with the direction that that everything's going, Culturally, societally, uh, spiritually, in this world, the the board is being set for. It's going to get hard for people, and when people run into strife, they run to church. We need to be prepared that whenever they come to the church, they're not they're not pursuing an an empty promise that they're pursuing the one true God. We better have the goods. Yeah, exactly. I like where you're going with this because I was in tears this morning with the, with the Holy Spirit uh, with a vision um, and the words going over and over in my head that the, the church had the answers and that people were going to come in droves to the true churches seeking answers to what's happening, to what's going on, and that we had better be, like Pastor just said, be prepared and be ready because it's coming. Stand, Angie. It talks about that here later. Stand. Stand and knowing that you are healed. So at the bottom of page eight, it's a it's another little quick story. We're not going to read the whole thing, but um, just real quick, uh, she was asked if she believed fully. She said yes. Uh, she replied yes. I believe that I should be healed if it was His good pleasure, and if not, I am willing to save it or to have it otherwise. Uh huh. But, but was the reply. 
may we not may we not know God's pleasure in his in this matter from his own word yes and ask with the full expectation of the blessing indeed ought we to ask anything of God until we have reason to believe that it is his will is not his word the in into intimation thank you call it of his will and after he has so fully promised it it is not a vexation and a mockery to imply a doubt of his willingness sorry i'm all <laughs> Amen. Um, page nine, second paragraph. There is much unbelief about, or often in the prayer, thy will be done. That blessed petition really expresses the highest measure of divine love and, and blessing. No kinder thing can come to us than that will. And yet we often ask if it is what was the iron hand of a cruel despot and an inexorable destiny i wrote out beside this we should uh, we should say it not as a question that his will be done like we talked about just just a minute ago we don't question because we know ahead of time going into this that of course that is his will but i know i know yeah I know from a young kid, that's the way it was taught in church. That was the way it was taught. It was taught as a question. It was taught as, when, and when the preacher was up on, on stage praying, it was always it. So I grew up the whole time thinking that it's... <laughs> well, not just that, but people would try to couch their unbelief and saying, oh, well, I guess it's just not God's will to heal you right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cop out. No, it definitely is his will. You're just not believing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. It talks about that later. There's some sort of impedance. And yes. Angie uh, made a good minute ago about time and my last healing which occurred last Sunday not this last Sunday but Sunday before last uh, it's something I've been battling with for a long time uh, it cost me a job it actually probably cost me a few jobs um, but I, it, I've been battling for years years and I've been healed of so many other things so many other things so believe me I question believe me in my prayer I have a question why God am I left to deal with this? I started calling it, I think Pastor heard me say it, my, the thorn in my side. Um, I got to thinking maybe it was something that I was going to be stuck with just to keep me humble. And maybe not when you think it should be. Maybe not as fast as the other healings that you've experienced in your life. But in time, if you stand firmly 
and in faith it will come to you. But always, always start. I had often thought about why God gave me uh, such a passion for music, mm-hmm. but then would inhibit me with a with an in, with a shortened nerve bundle that causes my arm to fall asleep whenever I play instruments. I've had that problem for a very long time. I was born with it. And while you were sitting there talking about timing. I think God hasn't healed that yet. Well, God hasn't healed it yet, but I think he was waiting for such a time as this because if I had not given my life completely over to God, I probably would have pursued a career in music and gone down a very dark path instead of a path that God has given me of being a pastor first and then so, whenever he's ready to heal it, I'm ready for it. Amen. But. Depending on who's right now, especially in this church. Oh well, of course. <laughs> especially considering we live in the we live in the drive-through generation where instant gratification for everything. Mm-hmm. It took me five years from him telling me that one thing was going to have its own fruit. You know what I mean? And 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 I think that's the that's where the doubt pours in, and that's where we start. Me too. <laughs> mm, good stuff. So, if your sickness has come to you on account of any sinful cause, be sure that you are thoroughly repent of, of that and confess your sins and make full restitution as far as in your power. If it has been a discipline designed to separate you from some evil, at once present yourself to God in frank self-judgment and consecration and claim from him the grace to sanctify you and keep you holy. An impure heart is a constant fountain of disease. A sanctified spirit is in itself as wholesome as it is holy. At the same time, do not let Satan paralyze your faith by throwing you back on your unworthiness and telling you that you are not good enough to claim this. see when addicts are uh, recovered and everything that I don't care if it what drug it is they look better you know they look like they're healed they look like they've been delivered of of something but the Lord told me after 20 years of bronchitis and sinusitis that some doctors wouldn't even give me antibiotics because it was just it wasn't working it wouldn't work and the Lord told me, you know, this is all a lie from the devil. If you do what I'm asking you to do, then you're going to be healed. You will not have any resi- remaining, you know, residual effects of this. And so I went to the uh, pulmonologist and did the uh, 
pulmonary junction test, and there wasn't anything wrong with my lungs. I mean, and I had to turn. I had to fight for it, too. I had to be repentant enough to, uh, you know, dance three times a day, uh, pray in where the you couldn't see the bath water for the tears, rock yourself, speak in tongues, you know, build yourself up in your most holy faith and believe that this is going to be, you know, a, a new thing. You're starting a new thing and you're giving up on that old and that he's really going to heal you. Amen. Um, so we never can or do deserve any of God's mercies. We are never, never by us or about us or what we did. We know this. It's about what he did and the price he paid for us. First uh, John 1, 8-9. If we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Separation. Unconfessed sin, Psalms 66, 18. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, then the Lord would not have listened. Number three, indifference to God's word. Uh, Proverbs 28, 9. He that turns away his ear from hearing the word, even his prayer will be an abomination. Unfor unforgiveness, Matthew 6, 15. If you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not Communion, but Paul says to uh, examine your heart and your motives before partaking of Holy Communion. Mm -hmm. um, James 5, is 15 and 16. The prayer of faith, faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So many times, I think that people sit in sanctuary on Sundays and pastors asking for them to come down. If they need anything, if they need any prayer, and they just think that it's my burden to carry or 
it'll go away, or I'll go to the doctor next week, or there's always an excuse, right? Everyone's going to be looking at me. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. The first thing that we should do, man, what Pastor says all the time, is if there's anything, just run down there. Just run down there before the Lord. That's the, it should be the first reaction of every church member because that's where it comes from. Not the altar, but from Jesus. He's the source. He's the healer. He's the one that offers your salvation. He's everything. And what are we trying to hide by sitting in our seats and not admitting it and going down there or not confessing our sins or our aches or pains to our brothers and sisters that we may have prayer? He already sees it. He already knows. So who are we hiding from? Ourselves? Yeah. That day that Terry, or that Sunday that Terry preached on the the dangers of revival, mm. and I, man, and I got up and grabbed the mic there at the very end. Yes. Man, I just I felt there were so many people that needed to be at that altar. Yes. There were so many people, like me being the kind of person I just wanted to start snatching people out of their seats. Lord, shine a light, and I'll grab them because I could feel it and I could see it. Oh my gosh, I just wanted to, you know, what was the cane they used to grab people off the stage? Like, I just wanted to hook them and just drag them up there. Because, and I was, I literally said, I am pleading with you, come to the altar. Those were my words. I am pleading with you, lay it down. Stop being worried about the person to your left or your right. Come to the altar. But, oh my gosh, nobody moved. And I just, and that was when it was like, it, it was like my realization that, okay, revival starts here. This is where we need to start building our fire. Because man alive, it is just it has just been turned way the heck down in many, and it's like we need to get that that little fan thing and start puffing up the fire and building the billows. Up, get our seats a little bit warm, get us uncomfortable, get everybody stirring a little bit so that we can have that to to shine so vividly out of our windows that it's a beacon unto the world. Yes. It's hard when you're up there preaching the Holy Spirit point people out to you. And, 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 and like Lisa said, you just you want to snatch them, you want to grab them, you want to you point them out sometimes and be like, I know you need this, come up here. But you, you just... Yeah, okay. You just <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. Can, no, no. Can, I, can I say something uh. about that real fast? Maybe that's what we need to start doing. You know, if you... If you, if the Holy Spirit is telling you that this person needs to hear this, then say, this is for you. Because maybe that's the shock to their system or the confirmation because the devil will come in and he will say, oh, well, he's not necessarily talking to you. I've been in that spot before where a scripture or a word that is being given by a pastor is meant directly for me. And the devil says, oh, well, you know, he's probably not. He's not calling you out. He's calling somebody else out. That has done. That has happened to me. Or the pastor. Yeah. 
if Sean Strong had not done that at our revival, things would have turned out differently for me. Mm. You know why? Because he pulled Leslie down to the front and he said, the struggle for finding love in this life is over. I know that. Yeah, I know that. I've seen. Yes, which is a, which is a, a watchman. Right. A watchman. So I yes. Don't tell you what the Holy Spirit. Now, when I said that I could feel it, I didn't have any like specific person, or I would have because I don't play that. If the Lord says, the Lord, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm not trying to look at the symbols on a fish. So I do what He wants me to do for the most part, to, to the best of my human ability. But but Paul's right. I have to do what I'm supposed to do because your blood's not going to be on my hands. Cool. I'm going to hand you what I'm supposed to hand you, and what you do with it is what you do with it. Yeah. I've had it specific, very specific, on a on a on a woman who was on over there by where Brother Danny used to sit. And as soon as she walked in, the Holy Spirit. I was in the booth back here running sound and, and video, and as soon as she walked in, I was like, "You got to pray for her. She can't leave until she's prayed for. Her. She can't." And I was starting to cry back there. I was like, I got to do something, but I can't leave back here. So I was, I was fixing to start trying to get pastor's attention so he would come back there. And then before I had to do that, I don't think it was you, but one of the ladies of our church went over and put hands on her and started praying for her. And I was just like, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, but pastor, I know, I, I've never seen him directly pull someone out. But I've known many times of being up there praying beside him that he knows instantly what what their need is, what because the Holy walk, Spirit just I will walk back and stand by. Hmm? I will walk back and stand by somebody. I don't want to embarrass them. Right. But I will walk back and, and start reading their mail and talk to them. You know what the Holy Spirit is telling me. And and in regards to what we're talking about, you know, there's times when I leave here knowing that people did not receive message or the word that day and it grieves me yeah. it, it made me get almost get sick and then I, I, I get I get home and I rest so I go through this whole little process and then Jesus always reminds me he said they didn't receive me yeah. either you have done your part when you've released you, you've sowed the seed you've released the anointing and if they reject it you hope and pray to God they get another chance to get their healing or salvation or deliverance or whatever, but again, he came into his own, yeah. but his own received him not. So. Yep. Wasn't he though? It was a good one. I'm yeah. going to self combust. I have to say something. I have to say what God's telling me. And 
I remember the first time you came out the street ministry, and you, you, you pulled me aside, and you was like, so how do we do this? I said, well, you just kind of fill them out. You kind of talk to them, and then you kind of, yeah, and then if you think that they want prayer, or they want this, or they want that. We've covered some good stuff here tonight. Answered some good questions, and uh, yes, and, and and this is this is like this last conversation we had about you know Holy Spirit leading you in a service. Uh, it's, this is part of what this class is for, because otherwise, no one's ever going to teach you, or show you, or tell you, except unless you just learn by hard knocks, which is being put in a situation and the Holy Spirit leading you through it and only by the grace of God can you make it through situations like that but this class thanks to pastor and, and Terry starting it and, and continuing this class on it's equipping us that are hungry enough to, to have an idea of what to do to when we're placed in those situations that we, we've got an understanding of, of what comes out of the situations or what we need to bring into these situations the outcomes or the circumstances of these situations so very good that we're in the class. That's very good. Lisa, that's a good point. Talking to to uh, other brothers and sisters, maybe from some other churches, you know, that maybe, well, for one, they don't have a class like this, uh, and, and and so you're heated, and you go into the conversation heated, and you expect a heated response, and it's cold. Yeah, and and so then you just kind of walk away disappointed, like, all right, well, you know, God bless you. Have a good day. So.
said, I've been to Puerto Rico and sit there and chew. Mm-hmm. I chew on the word. Yeah. So I read slow. But I can hear it and immediately retain the same thing as I'm listening. Yeah. So you might suggest that to me. Like you're saying, and Christ in the very much the analytical yeah. side. Yeah. So listening and retaining and just soaking it in like a sponge maybe is extremely beneficial. Especially Yeah, we'll stop right there at the bottom of page nine. And uh, I have a few. Does anybody else?